Good morning, Wrestling Inc. Get it going. It's Tuesday, and I hope that you are teed up and ready to go for tons of pro wrestling punditry. It is me, your Wrestling Inc. Managing Editor, Nick Hasman, joined here as I am nearly every Tuesday my good buddy Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to the Winkley. I am teed up and ready for good pro wrestling punditry. Woo! Teed up Tuesdays. Go. Teed up Tuesdays. Hashtag. <laughs> Woo! Oh, I am feeling good. It was a. It was a busy. It was. It was. I was expecting a. A kind of slow weekend where I could relax, enjoy myself. Some news flared up. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, I am ready to go here, and uh, we're going to start off with an announcement, everybody. Now, I've been teasing this announcement. I can make the announcement today. I can't give away the barn on all the details, but I can officially say that Wrestling Inc., we are going to Vegas. We are going to be a part of uh, the podcast movement stage, um, and we're going to be a part of StarCast 2 uh, in Vegas uh, on, the eve, on the eve of Double or Nothing. Uh, I'll hold. I'll, I'll hold back on. Uh, I'm gonna hold back the name because uh, I know Conrad. I think and these guys are gonna do like an official announcement. But I love the name of this panel. Raj is flying out to Vegas. He'll be there with me. Uh, we're gonna try to put together some un- other fun surprises as part of the uh, the panel. And it's really like from what I've gathered about it. I, I mean, I'm calling it a panel. You can show up if you've ever been interested in like what we do at Wrestling Inc. Uh, if you've ever been interested in, like, how do I become a pro wrestling journalist or any of that, you can come on, you can ask us questions, and we can do all you that don't. fun. don't. That's the secret. You don't. Yeah. You, yeah. Stop. <laughs> but uh, you uh, you can come. Sorry. And... Ruined your panel there, Nick. Eh, my well, it's all right. Uh, but I'm very excited. Uh, I love doing shows and stuff, and this is going to be a blast. I'm sure we're going to have uh, a lot of stuff uh, happening at this uh, this live recording, this panel. And uh, I can't wait to see everybody there in Vegas. I know uh, Raj is very excited as well. So more info to come on that. Uh, but there it is. Cat's out of the bag. We're going to Vegas, Michael. Going to hmm. Vegas. Taking the is it wing. too late for me to get a ticket to Vegas? I don't know. I don't know your life. Yeah, I really I do it. I hang up this phone and I forget about you. Wow, that's mean. <laughs> I think about you every day. I'm kidding. I talk Damn. about you like maybe too much. You know, to a point where it's uncomfortable. <laughs> Your girlfriend's like, what's going on over there with you two? That Winkly Tuesday, that two for Tuesdays teed up. A little too teed up. You know, I should really be doing the mailbag because I saw somebody at the end of last week explicitly tweet something about how they liked our chemistry. They liked our yeah. show together. Not Labar, you. Or Labar. He's just getting left out here. I've never done anything with Labar. He seems like an all right dude, though. Oh, man. He's great. You should have a couple drinks with him. He's a lot, he's a lot better then. Um, I like our chemistry, too, though, Nick. <laughs> Tuesdays are a good day for me because of this podcast. Good stuff. Uh, well, exactly. Let's get to this podcast here today. This is going to be a big one. As usual, uh, we've been doing two interviews here for a couple of weeks now. I thought this was going to be just like a one-off thing, and now we're just like, we got so many interviews, we get to keep uh, giving you two, two an episode here. Uh, today on the show, first, later, I'm going to be playing my interview with Darren Young, a.k.a. Fred Rosser, or Fred Rosser, a.k.a. Darren Young. Um Fred is going to be receiving the Vanguard Award at Miami's Outshine Film Festival on April 28th. Um, very, very big award here. Uh, excited for him, and you're going to get to hear him talk all about uh, this and, you know, being a, a trailblazer for the LGBT community in pro wrestling. Uh, also on the show here today, we have another trailblazer. Uh, our own Scott Fishman sat down with Gail Kim and did an interview. Of course, Gail's going to take on Tessa Blanchard at Impact's Rebe- Rebellion pay-per-view this sunday it's a pay-per-view it'll also be on fight and if you want to win a free promo code to watch rebellion this sunday via fight 
We got a promo contest going right now on our Twitter account. You just got to follow the rules of the post. It's like retweet, uh, and then you got to reply. You got to like it, and then you got to reply with who you think will win, Brian Cage uh, or Johnny Impact with special guest referee Lance Storm. That's a, that's a hell of a bout. Mm, mm. Well, and I got to tell you, Nick, I have had the pleasure of listening to your Darren Young podcast. I'm, I'm working up the some news for the side around all that jazz, but really great interview, dude. And, and I was really impressed. I'm going to plug that podcast as well because Darren Young opens up about a lot of things that you kind of wondered about whenever he first came out as gay and um, what that kind of meant to him, but how did the company view it? And I just liked so many of the topics you guys touched on there because wow. to me, a lot of that stuff was really bigger than just his run in WWE. Is it about the, the, the state of pro wrestling and what it means to be yourself in the industry at this day and age, which is a, is a very interesting business that is rapidly evolving. And it was great to hear you guys talk about that. So that's, kudos. That, that's really cool. I've never, I don't think ever since I've done the Winkly, it may have happened on a podcast before, before, but I've never had to, I've never got to tee up an interview where the other person actually heard it and knows mm-hmm. it. This one is pretty good though, right? The mm-hmm. Darren Young mm-hmm. one. I think people will like it. There's a lot, you guys touched on a lot of stuff that's relevant today, but again, I think as somebody who covers the business as a whole, I, I like the areas you guys talked about with how a lot of things Darren Young faces are still kind of being reflected in dealing with management, creative issues, and he had really interesting takes on all that too. It wasn't just WWE sucks. He had a very personal approach <laughs> well, to all of that, so well, I thought that was great. don't blow the interview. Stick around. Maybe he, <laughs> maybe he does say WWE sucks. No, he, he, can, he, he complains he about some things no, and calls out some people that I think are surprising. Don't okay. get me wrong. I just okay. it, it was a good take. Okay, maybe at the end of the show we'll, we'll talk openly a bit about the Darren yeah. Young interview since everybody will have heard it at that point, so we'll, we'll shelve it there for now. But thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad that you, you heard it. And I, I agree. You're all going to have a great time. Let's have a great time. Now, let's get it going. we got news you can use. News will leave a bruise. Here's the story that took over my weekend and my, my Saturday night into my Sunday, and my girlfriend loved that. Uh, CM Punk uh, returned to independent pro wrestling this past weekend, posing as a masked man at an MKE wrestling event in Milwaukee. Now, I'm saying this definitively because I did a lot of – legwork here this is my backyard here up milwaukee where this happened and I, I mean i i have i cannot believe anything other than that with cm punk as the masked man based off of everything that i have heard from a variety of sources uh cm punk uh as, as the masked man interfered hit the gts helped his buddy ace steel defeat amazing independent wrestler Derek st holmes great guy uh punk waited in his car before the appearance left immediately after his run-in. At one point, the plan, as it's been laid out to me, had been for Punk to take the mask off and reveal that it was him to the crowd. But obviously, that didn't happen. Um, if you, I, I guess Silas Young did an interview yesterday morning on Busted Open Radio about this and basically repeats the story that I wrote on the site, for what it's worth. Um, now, and, and lastly here, on that note, with CM Punk making this indie appearance, he's obviously has some interest in pro wrestling here doing what he did. The Observer is reporting that CM Punk was Tony Khan's absolute first pick to be an AEW, even before Jericho and the Bucks. So, you know, obviously there's interest from a, from a big backer. <laughs> this is such a, how do I say this gently? This is such a big story to be such a non-story, right? Is it, it is CM Punk's return to wrestling at the MKE wrestling event in Milwaukee under yeah. a mask, maybe. Yeah. Hey, good. You know, look, Silas Young runs uh, MKE wrestling. There's great people up in Milwaukee. Look, and, you know, look, Derek, I'm talking about Derek St. Holmes. I've been doing indie shows at Derek St. Holmes 
for like a decade. Ace Steel, don't really know Ace Steel so much, but I know that he rolls deep with Punk, and it totally made a lot of sense, you know, for this all to play out here. I just thought it was a cool thing. Um, you know, I thought it was an interesting story. I wanted to know, you know, as a huge Andy Kaufmanite, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm not going to get played. I woke up on Sunday morning. <laughs> I woke up on Sunday morning and there's like all these websites writing. CM Punk's come back. He's back in wrestling. CM Punk appeared. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I would have, I would have Bob's mooted Tony, Tony Clifton, this thing and had somebody else under the hood do the GTS. Cause everybody's speculating. You're laughing your ass off in the back. Right. Well, that's the thing about it, right? So it's a big deal because of the cachet that the CM Punk name still has when attached to professional wrestling. It, obviously, he's not returning to wrestle an MKE. Or maybe he is. Who knows? Who CM knows? Punk, it, he is his own soldier marching to his own drummer beat, sure. right? I, I, I think it's such a great story. Also, there were all these reports about how CM Punk a few years ago said if he did return to wrestling, this would be the exact avenue he would do it in or exact yeah. way he would do it. Yeah. So. So, so many interesting things about this. I love watching that clip and imagining CM, imagining CM Punk underneath the mask. I think it's interesting he opted not to remove his mask, but that Silas Young still confirmed it afterwards. It's just all sorts of interesting here. This is the time, right? And, and you talk about here Tony Khan potentially yeah. wanting to pick Punk as his first pick yeah. for AEW. Yeah. Punk is one of those few guys. You think about if Daniel Bryan had not re-signed with WWE a year ago or whenever it was. Um, Punk... Daniel Bryan, two of those guys that could really, I have still that, that attachment to the indies, could go out there and be the cornerstone of a company like AEW. No discredit to uh, Cody Rhodes. Jericho, obviously a legend. The Bucks, they carry so much cachet with them as well. But CM Punk, obviously, he would have been a huge shot across the bow right from the get-go here. So I understand why Tony Khan would have wanted him. But it's just, now, do we get CM Punk back? His MMA career is fizzled out. What does this actually mean going forward? Or does it mean nothing at all? Well, he was in Milwaukee, it looks like, for some BJJ, Brazilian, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournament that day. So it was like he happened to be in town for the MMA thing. And I think, you know, the... The rest, getting to work the fans was, you know, uh, a thing that in, enticed him, and it was a fun thing he could do and get everybody talking like, we ha- like we're doing right now, right? Like we're leading the show with right now. <laughs> like we're leading the show with. So, you know, who knows? Uh, it, it, I'm sure to- this is on Tony Khan's radar. I don't, I don't – I would think that there's had to have been talks at some point. I mean, is it crazy to think that, like, CM Punk could be, you know, in some, in some ways, like this generation's Hulk Hogan? Well, I, I, CM Punk, listen, let's let's not mince words here. CM Punk defines a certain generation of wrestling fan. I, he is the guy that you come out of the late 2000s when a lot of the guys were generic, WWE, whatever. He was different. He stands out for all the reasons that wrestling fans today love the indie scene, love AEW, love what's happening there. CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, they got all of that kickstarted in, 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 in a big way, right, for the casual WWE fan. And so... I still think if Tony Khan, listen, Tony Khan's got a great talent pool over there. But if you sign CM Punk to that roster, even if it's six months from now, if you announce him on TV, that is still a difference maker in a way that, no offense, guys like Cody Rhodes and the Bucks just cannot be to the casual WWE fan. Yeah, very interesting times. We'll get back to some more AEW news here at the end of the show. We've got some star, some StarCast-related news here. The Observer uh, having an, an update here about The Undertaker and WWE. Um, and it sounds like the relationship between Undertaker and WWE has changed a lot since it was announced that Undertaker was going to be doing StarCast 2. Uh, Undertaker thought his, he was done in the ring with WWE after Crown Jewel, so he just he started taking non-bookings. And he was charging a lot of money. And I you know, I remember the reports a while back where they were like, 
can this guy get this much money? The, the answer apparently was yes. He's the Undertaker. So WWE. <laughs> he is like one of the few guys who can get this much money. Come on, y'all. So the WWE, uh, for, according to the Observer, uh, made Undertaker an offer he couldn't refuse. Mm, love it. Uh, and can no longer work outside. Can no longer work outside dates uh, except to finish up the ones he already currently has booked, which would be the Starcast appearance, and then he's doing the. Inside the ropes shows overseas, but he's no longer going to do the Q and A. Just uh, just a signing and appearance, and Mick Foley will will be doing the stories about Undertaker. Um, and uh, Undertaker's next WWE move. It looks like he's going to wrestle W uh, Russell Elias at WWE Saudi show on June seventh. So there's I, th- there's the Undertaker news. I like to imagine that this offer went down that when WWE made the offer that started off with um, Undertaker peeling back the bed sheets, and there was the head of. Uh, I don't know, an urn or a horse or so whatever WWE grand gesture they made here to really mob it up here and, and tell Taker he had to come back home, right? Uh, now, this is... um, Mark, you're uh, killing me. You're killing <laughs> me, Mark. <laughs> this is strange to me, and I'll tell you why. Obviously, Taker can command a lot of money on the indie scene, and he was prepared to go that route. But does Undertaker still make a difference in WWE? I, I think it's weird that they went out of their way to get him off of everything for... Uh, WrestleMania weekend to bring you on to raw and not WrestleMania. It, it's it's so strange that they are focused on having him wrestle at the Saudi Arabia show against Elias. And they're willing to pay all this money to make those things happen. I, I think for me, Undertaker, just his brand exists with WWE, but I don't need to see him wrestle anymore. And I really don't need to see him with this company. It, it seems like he's a legend to move on. I it just, it's almost like WWE overvalues him. I would, I would, I would, I would have agreed up until the post Raw appearance where he let Elias because dudes dropped some weight and Undertaker's looking better. I mean, he looks physically better than he has his last few outings. So I'm willing to give this a chance here and see how we can go in Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, I, I, I'm kind of intrigued by it, honestly, but I'm less intrigued by the idea they're going to a, to do another show in Saudi Arabia. It feels more <laughs> like they are trying to honestly tie him up from going anywhere else because he would be such a great value. Again, I think he adds less value to WWE and more value to anywhere else he goes, and I think that's what they see as well. Uh, well, speaking of value here, I mentioned that they're going to Saudi Arabia June 7th. That is when uh, The Undertaker looks to be returning to in-ring action. Uh, the Observer also reporting that because they're going to Saudi Arabia on June 7th, they have now decided to cancel their Backlash pay-per-view on June 16th, which would have been a week later in San Diego. Apparently, they didn't want to have two big major events so close together, which, if you remember last year, was a problem right before Survivor Series. There was like four pay-per-views in a row. It was ridiculous. Um, I mean, I'm pro... I'm pro less pay-per-views that don't bug, uh, you know, jumble up the calendar. But, you know, I feel bad for the American citizens of San Diego that have been deprived of uh, their backlash pay-per-view. You said speaking of value and then led straight in with the Saudi Arabia WWE show in, Come on. in June. Come on. It's, oh, a, it's obviously gosh. a more valuable show to them. They're like, oh, well, we got to get rid of one. We're going to fulfill our contract here with Saudi Arabia. And the backlash pay-per-view is going to go. It is. I think it's bad optics. Uh, you know, feelings about them being in Saudi Arabia aside, I just think it's bad optics for them to cancel an American show in favor of uh, this Saudi Arabia show. No, I listen, almost don't want to believe this report, but I think, I mean, it's, you know, it's 
Dave, you know, I guess. Well, sure. and, and and it's it seems like it that, that show was kind of on the books, and it doesn't feel like it's going to happen now. So maybe it's true. It's it's um it's backlash. It's not a big pay per view here. I don't like these Saudi Arabia shows because at certain points, like the first time last year, it was like it kind of existed in its own weird little bubble where it's kind of a house show, but not really. And then the second one, they've definitely leaned into a lot. The storylines coming out of it. But again, are they treating this like a premier level pay-per-view? Remember, the greatest Royal Rumble, uh, the greatest Royal Rumble of all time, whatever, whatever, was so hyped up on TV, and obviously they couldn't do that in the fall. So I'm just wondering, what is the look for the Saudi Arabia show, and is it treated like a major pay-per-view event or not? Great question. Great question. So uh, we will see. You know, it is a very interesting time for the uh, international relationship uh, with WWE uh, America and Saudi Arabia. San Diego will be fine. They got lots of pay-per-views in California. Yeah. Uh, um, let's get to, you know, I was going to get to Raw, and we we're going to talk about the, the highlights coming out of Raw, but I would like to first address what I'm calling the post-superstar shake-up shake-up. Now, this is <sighs> the second shake-up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so this was announced on Monday morning. Andrade and Zelina Vega have been moved back to SmackDown after they were drafted to Raw. They're going back home like a boomerang. PW Insider reporting the Fox executives weren't happy that there was no more Latin talent left on SmackDown after the shakeup. And there's plans for WWE content to run on Fox's Spanish language channel, Fox uh, Deportes. Uh, Alistair Black has also moved to SmackDown and his tag team with Ricochet appears to be done. Of course, Alistair Black and Selena Vega are married in real life. So let's let's start with those. Let's start with those moves there right first. Andre. These Zelina. SOBs, Nick. These SOBs, I literally posted, I ranked every single superstar who traded brands on Sunday, got it up on Wrestling Inc. Sure. Top one to five, we had our misses and our cannon fodder, right? And then Monday morning, they change all this crap around, so all my ratings are bunk now. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Oh, well, I mean, I'm happier I'm happier with this move, actually. Uh, I, liked where, I liked the momentum Andrade and Zelina were building up on SmackDown before the, the Raw move. And Aleister Black, look, I didn't want him and Ricochet to be a tag team anyway. So now I'm getting what I want. They're on different brands. Before they looked like they were going to keep being a tag team. Uh, you know, Ricochet uh, had a had a fine match with Bobby Roode on on Raw. Didn't win. Uh, but I think that these guys are going to be better off as single stars. I don't. I think they'll be better off this way. Yeah, no, I think all these are good moves, though, right? So joking aside about my own personal petty grievances, th these are the right things to do. Now, I think Andrade and Zelina Vega, I think they had a spot on Raw. It seems like Raw was almost outside of Braun Strowman, was kind of going for a little bit of a smaller look here. And so you think about him feuding with guys like AJ Styles and Seth Rollins and things like that, he could kind of stand out more than on SmackDown where the top dog will be Roman Reigns. So I think there was more, maybe more upward potential for him on that. But I get the move, and if Fox execs want him on SmackDown, he is obviously going to get a good look. Uh, to your point about Aleister Black and Ricochet, should have never been a tag team. I think Aleister Black will look great on SmackDown. Totally. Uh, the bigger thing here, so Samoa Joe makes sense, right? Finn Balor came over, so whatever. Cesaro and Sheamus getting split up after being together for so long and that being so low-key, that's interesting to me. Well, Sheamus is out injured right now. He got injured in that six-man on the, the post-Smackdown, or post-Mania SmackDown. So I don't really know what's going on with Sheamus right now or, or what the deal is with him. But Cesaro's alone, and I, I'm fine with him moving over to Raw. It was just weird that they gave him Sheamus's entrance music. Like it was that, that was just weird to me. Mm -hmm. um, but um, maybe they change it in a couple of weeks. You know who knows? Yeah, I mean, it, obviously this guy, you know, <laughs> everything's just topsy turvy right now, just getting thrown around. Let's try some stuff out. But uh, yeah, Cesaro again is a single star. Another guy I would like to see as a singles run here. It was it's a little weird that him and Sheamus. 
uh, broke off. But, you know, Sheamus has been dealing with neck issues for a while. He's talked about it on online. He's got like a neck hammock. So I don't I, I mean, I, I I hope the best for him, but I don't I don't really know what his medical state is right now. Maybe it was better to just keep it going with Cesaro. I mean, keep him wrestling. Well, and, and, and I remember when these two were first paired up back three years ago, whenever that first happened, we were all very opposed to this because we both, I, I felt like personally Cesaro and Sheamus work better as single stars. And these two have really made this tag team thing work. They were committed to it, and I, I like everything they've done. But to your point, Cesaro could be a great breakout single oh. star, so I hope they do something serious with him now. Me too. I really like Cesaro as a singles wrestler. I think the fans are really behind him. I mean, the dude obviously knows how to play around and have fun. I mean, watching him like vault over that barricade uh, and take beach balls at the Raw after Mania was like a highlight for me. That was one of the best parts of the whole weekend. Incredible. <laughs> that and I just, you know, he, he has had so many moments where it almost felt like we were going there with him. I know when he started off as the kind of the Swiss guy who knew all the languages and whatever else, I, I hope that we double down here. He's he's evolved. People don't see it as much, but he has really evolved with his promo work and his charisma. Last night, he looked good in the ring, too. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. Rock and roll. Agreed. Um, let's move over to what actually happened here on Raw. We did talk about Cesaro, of course, making his Raw debut. Samoa Joe has officially joined WWE Raw. He's bringing the U.S. title with him. Uh, and he got involved in the six-man scrum that is the universal title picture. Uh, two triple threat matches. AJ Styles uh, defeated Baron Corbin in the finals of those triple threat qualifiers. He's now going to face Seth Rollins for the universal championship at Money in the Bank. Um I was a little surprised by this one, Michael. All signs kind of pointed to Baron Corbin here, but they're going to give the fans uh, like it's like an indie main event match. Two just great wrestlers that are going to go at it here at Money in the Bank. I dig it. So a couple of things in there. Samoa Joe, you mentioned him in this whole mix. And he's such a he reminded us last night. He is such a great promo. He can go out there and lay some smack down on the microphone and make it sound so intense. And I'm sure some of that's scripted, but I don't want to lose sight of giving him props for the great work he always does. I love Joe to death. But yeah, it, it felt like maybe Baron Corbin coming off the win at Mania was the guy here who would go and main event Seth Rollins at a B-level pay-per-view here in a couple of weeks. That uh, you know, the spotlight will obviously be on the money in the bank ladder match. So it be a great time for them to do that i'm not opposed to aj styles and seth rollins because we know they will tear the house down oh, that's gonna be great. a little bit of a missed opportunity for baron corbin but he also he looked good last night they, they did more to build him up last night than they have in many 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 moons see so. in, in these in these matches where you got like the two big good guys here i kind of smell maybe some something screwy here in the finish maybe baron corbin even gets involved here to create yep. a foil because i can't really i can't realistically see them having AJ kind of go back to being heel AJ, you know, I think that I think we're just going to get two, you know, like ultimate warrior Hulk Hogan style uh, characters throwing themselves at each other. Yeah, it could, could be that. I mean, there's always a possibility. I don't think you're going to do it here, but Seth flips at some point too, over the course of the summer. I don't think the title's going to change hands here whatsoever. Um, screwy finish will make a lot of sense. Give a, give a, set up a triple threat match for Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Well, and you know, look, and if Seth can get past AJ here, which would seem likely, you know, you can still do the Baron Corbin feud here because uh, the Wells Fargo Arena in Philadelphia, uh, they listed a couple matches for the July 14th WWE Extreme Rules pay-per-view. You know, card always subject to change, but it does <laughs> say Baron versus Seth for the Universal Championship. It also says Roman versus Randy Orton and AJ Styles versus Drew McIntyre. So take that what you will, but some breadcrumbs thrown out there possibly. That's a good card. I dig that. And I think it does give 
them more time to build up Baron Corbin, who is, despite the loss, getting some momentum here, I believe. It, what is, a, like, the weird trio of Corbin, McIntyre, and Lashley? Like, it still doesn't feel like a faction. But it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely a faction, though, right? Uh, they do it. They're just the heels on Raw. This is like back in the day whenever <laughs> all the bad guys would always help each other out just because they were all evil and devilish together. Or That's a great name for a stable. Heels on Raw. We're the heels <laughs> on Raw, everybody. We're the heels on Raw. Oh, uh, Nexus. You're either Nexus or. Well, they obviously like them so much because they, of all the factions, did not get broken up in the Superstar Shakeup. You know, uh, they broke up everybody else, but yeah, they're like, no, this is too valuable. The chemistry of Corbin <laughs> McIntyre and Lashley. This could be the next Shield. I see this something back in the backstage right here. Uh, One of these days, these guys, they're gonna go places. Uh, uh. Yes. Uh, well, there it is. You're, you're, the heels on Raw. The, the 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 strongest faction to, to weather the storm here. Obviously, have clout backstage. We, we we named it. Who needs a creative team when you got Nick and Hausman? We're on the case. <laughs> Thank you, Nick and Hausman. Uh, I think you meant Weisman and Hausman. Weisman and Hausman. That's what it was. <laughs> Weisman and Hausman. Uh, Becky Lynch. It was announced is going to face uh, Lacey Evans at Money in the Bank. She's only going to defend the Raw Women's Championship, not both titles, just the Raw Women's Championship. How do you feel about that? Um, you know, I, again, I'm glad she's defending one of them. I'm glad it's not a unified title shot. So it's okay. I'm fine with it. No opinion. Yeah. Uh, do you think that she drops the title here and then no, no? keeps it? No. I, I think that Lacey Evans is still too, too rough around the edges. See, again, it's like, I could see Charlotte, like, you know, helping cost Becky the match here to set up, you know, the heat for the, the SmackDown women's title run or match that they're going to have. I think it's more likely what they do on this show is she has this match and she wins, and then somebody challenges her for the SmackDown title, whoever wins the women's money in the bank. And she just goes back and forth like Fonzie with like two dates on the same night up above the bridge and then the other below the bridge. Right. right. But I think at the end of the match, right, you have a SmackDown woman win the that that briefcase. I don't know much about what's going on with them right now, but oh. the SmackDown woman was the briefcase, and then um, that's who challenges her at the end of this match for the SmackDown title. Interesting. That is a, that is an effective way. Then she'd just be Becky one belt. Yep. <laughs> it's belt again. We can say belt again, right? It's yep. off the list. Yeah, that's right. It's not there was, banned anymore. The report came out just like moments before we started the show. Breaking belts. news. You can say belts! <laughs> Thank God. What do you keep your pants up with? Alright, uh, Bray Wyatt is back. And he debuted uh, a new series segment on, on Raw. My favorite thing in wrestling right now is called Firefly Funhouse. He's got the puppets we saw from the promo videos. There's Mercy the Buzzard. I believe the creepy doll is Abigail the Puppet. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he he's it's like it's it's like a dark type uh, Adult Swim meets Mister Rogers Neighborhood type vibe. He takes a cardboard cutout of his old personality. He chainsaws it in half. He, he has the gloves at one point. He's, like, hearing stuff in his ears at one point. Um, Mike, what were your thoughts on Firefly Funhouse? I, I love it, right? It's a harken back. You said Adult Swim. It is kind of that surrealist-style humor that, that that channel has mastered. But it's also a throwback to Mr. Rogers, yes, to Pee-wee's Playhouse, which, oh, sure. you know, I was a little kid when that was on. I grew up on that. It's fantastic. But I like the fact that he directly addressed who he was before and who he is now. And, and it really does feel like a fresh new look while still maintaining the essence of Bray Wyatt kind of being this weird outsider. It's dark, but I like the fact that they added this whole poppy bright sheen to it because Bray Wyatt's great. And he is so good at so many different things, 
but he needed some kind of refresh coming back from injury, and I, I love this. And um, I'm excited. To, it had me excited to see what are they going to do with this next week on Raw. And I even think the new look for Bray Wyatt here could be a great new look for his in-ring style as well. So uh, everything about it I love, but I hope we get more Fire, Firefly Funhouse segments and they don't just drop it after a week or two. He's like scary Ned Flanders. You know? <laughs> scary Ned Flanders, yes. You know, I, I was like, how did we get to this point? And I think what happened was like Bray Wyatt floundering on the roster, goes into HR wearing his like, you know, murderer smock and is like, you know, what do I have to do? And they're like, Bray, look, we we play to families. We're a family. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta play more to like children and kids. He's like, all right. And he goes back and he thinks about it and he comes back with this. And this is his genuine attempt to try to appease WWE management by being a more family friendly Bray Wyatt. Uh, yeah, but there's still that element of just surrealist, bizarre, over the top. Um, well, too too nice, so he's creepy, kind of thing, right? Sure. Well, that's the thing is, what is fun and right to Bray Wyatt? What messages is he going to instill to the children? Yeah. Probably not traditional messages. Well, and this feels very WWE misses the boat on being very hip and now. They kind of go to pop culture and broad with it. This feels very in the moment for totally. an audience. I mean, I think totally. that's why we, we grab on, gravitate towards it yeah. because. They're reaching their 20 and 30-somethings with this character, so I yeah. hope they really do go all in on it. Dude, I, I completely thought the same thing. I was like, wow, this feels like something fresh. It doesn't mm. feel like kind of filtered through the usual kind of dated lens and, and uh, you know prism we get with a lot of the product now. No, I, I agree. Totally dug it. Look forward to more. You know what I also dug and look forward to more of is Bobby Roode, now Robert Roode, with his glorious new mustache. He's like Rick Rude for 2020, right? Robert Rude, Rick Rude. What do you think? Do you prefer Robert Rude to Bobby Rude? Um, I get what they're going for here, so I'm okay with it. Obviously, he's always going to be Bobby Rude to me because of his TNA run and everything okay. like that. But he needed something new, right? The main roster, they've not used him right. So as long as this means they're going to do something with him, like they did last night, yeah. I like the win over Ricochet. Man. I know people are upset. Ricochet is your, your go-to guy here on the indies if you're an indie fan, but... Bobby Roode is the legend here. He is the veteran, all right? And so I think it makes sense that he would defeat the young upstart Ricochet and and maybe give him some momentum moving forward. He looked good last night. Both guys did, but especially Robert Roode. Everybody, I thought, in-ring-wise last night, honestly, looked really good. I thought Monday Night Raw just had a lot of really good action on it in general. Not a lot of talky. The talky we did get, which was like the Bray Wyatt stuff, was great. Uh, except for the opening. The opening, I could, if I never see seven men walk out in a row and giving three-minute promos about why they're top of the, the list and, like, <laughs> deserve a title shot, uh, I will be okay with that. Do away with They that. in sequence, too, right? Like, oh, you went out, now two minutes later is my cue, and then it's – like, that just feels way too processed. Oh, my God. I, I believe they use it too much. I, uh, I, they got me back. Like, by the end, I was like, this is a good show. But, man, I was I was at a three coming out of that opener, buddy. I was <laughs> I was not feeling good. They also announced not to uh, – listen, that was a really – they announced the, the matches for the show before they set up the segment that announced uh, – that actually set up the matches, for, which was weird. Yes. Yes. It was <laughs> right? weird. But, but yes. to your point, top to bottom, and, and then we got more to talk about with it, but I think that was the best draw of this year so far, and the best draw in a long time, Agreed. and it's because the matches they had, the triple threats, whatever else, they were building towards something, right? The triple threats were the setup spots in the main event, but then everything else kind of had a purpose. Even this, mid-card fodder here, right? Robert Roode, formerly Bobby Roode, and Ricochet, 
this was nothing more than two kind of mid-card guys who have been underutilized so far being paired up, but they use it to evolve Bobby Roode's character into this new guy, uh, and they gave him a meaningful win and let him celebrate afterwards, so I'm like, oh, what are they going to do with him next? Yeah. They had a lot of moments like that, the squash match by the newly named Viking Experience. All of these things served a bigger purpose. Sami Zayn's promo was to get him really over as being a complete douche. Yeah. So it felt purposeful. Like they, they actually booked a whole show for once. It was, yeah, I agree. A lot, lot to like on Monday Night Raw. And with Ricochet, I would not be surprised at all. Rematch next week where he beats uh, Robert Roode and, yeah. and gets the win back. And these guys can, you know, just trade wins and, and be wonderful. Um, because you're right. These, these are guys that have just been kind of adrift. And if the attitude right now is there's so much going on, it's hard for us to, to put together cognitive stories. Just let some guys wrestle. Let's see what, what comes to the surface. There was a lot of that last night. Becky Lynch, Alicia Fox, Alicia making her return. That was also good. You know, uh, there was just a lot to like. But, you know, the, the Viking experience, now the Viking Raiders. The Wrestling Observer, by the way, since we last talked, has uh, revealed the reason the name was changed was just Vince did not like the name, the War Raiders. So they became the Viking experience. A better name, right? Uh. I called this last week. Listen, last week I said they named them the Viking Raiders because or the Viking experience because somebody let Vince McMahon see Game of Thrones. And I said, don't be surprised if their first feud isn't against the Lucha Dragons. And one week later, what do we get? A squash match against the Lucha Dragons. So, Lucha, Lucha House Party. Lucha House Party. Oh, uh, Lucha House Party. I mean, yes. Um, so, there, yeah, there you go. So the Viking experience, stupid name, Viking Raiders, better name. But why do why do they have to be Vikings? Why can't they just be wrestlers? Well, if they need more, question. if they need more Latin talent over on SmackDown, too, then just move <laughs> Lucha House Party over there. Who cares? The old classic Latin. <laughs> if you're not going to be using them on Raw, Jesus, go let them find new life over on SmackDown. I, they'd be great over there. Uh, this is a thing where, though, they they got to be Vikings because Vince McMahon doesn't understand wrestlers just being wrestlers. They've got to be characters, and that's what we have here. <laughs> you got to call it out. <laughs> just saying. I look at him, and I see Vikings. War Raiders, what is that? Are we in World War II? Right. Before you were just a couple of big fat guys, and now now you're somebody. Vikings. I, you know what? I think, though, if, if we've made the transition now to Viking experience, to, to Viking Raiders, I think War Raiders will be the th – I think, you know, everything – comedy comes in threes. The, the, the punchline here has to be that the fans win and they get the name they like. You know, I, uh, I, I, I was puzzled watching their match with the Lucha House Party because um, when we went to NXT here – or TakeOver here in Chicago a couple months ago – and I brought Liz, we were watching the, the War Raiders, and she vividly remembers this, like, little girl sitting near us going, war, 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 and thinking that was just awesome, right? She was like, right. this is so badass. You watch the match now, and, like, I think the fans, they want to chant war, right? But they can't. <laughs> and... <laughs> a Viking, a Viking. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> they want to chant war, yeah. but they can't do it, and that's been taken from them. Well, then maybe that's part of the reason why, too, right? And there's no real reason behind it. But, I mean, listen, you talk about this kind of coming all together here. I think it's even better if they don't go from the Viking Raiders to um, the, the War Raiders. I think they go to the War Experience next. 
Um, and we end up with a stupid name like the Battle Ravers, and then we'll finally have who these guys really are underneath it all. It's too many beats. Del Close would beat you with a sock. Rule of threes, my friend. <laughs> it's a callback, man. You just keep going for it. Listen, uh, it's one of those things uh, where you take a joke on so far uh, that it stops becoming funny and starts becoming funny again. It's when, it's when Lorne Michaels kicks you out of the room. <laughs> guys talk too much today. We painted by the word. All right. The Shield. They, they finally, they're done. Final chapter. They defeated Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, the most dominant stable in all of WWE, the only stable that can stay together. Um, Ambrose said in a pre-match sit-down with Michael Cole that he's cashing in his chips. He's going home. Uh, also on this uh, special, the Riot Squad uh, bid farewell. Ruby and Sarah did the honors to Ember and Bailey in a tag match, and Liv Morgan got herself tossed from ringside here. Nice little special. I watched it this morning while I was putting together the Winkley, honestly. You know, it was... It's fine. All I'll say is, without the Shield, who is going to challenge the Heels on Raw faction that is now dominant? So we have nobody. We are the Heels on Raw. We go untested. Yep. There is no one. Uh, yes. And uh, lastly, here, since I guess we're not going to be able to talk about Ambr- Ambrose for a while because he's going home and doing his own thing. Uh, the end. What do you think? Final chapter? it's yes this is listen they went all the way with it he's gone i don't think it's forever gone right i expect him to show back up and he just needs some time away he needs to clear his head all right we'll see i'm i'm still skeptical i'm still skeptical wrestle votes at wrestle votes wwe has big plans for whoever wins the men's money in the briefcase uh this year and wants them to come out looking like a star as opposed to previous years where i guess internally they feel They've, quote-unquote, blown it with the last two minutes Money in the Bank winners. Just quoted the source. Just quoted the source. Braun Strowman won the 2018 Men's Money in the Bank briefcase and cashed it in on then-champion Roman Reigns, but the match ended in a no contest. So, yeah, you know, uh, it was because Brock Lesnar interfered. So, no contest, cash-in, not so good. Baron Corbin won the briefcase in 2017, but lost to then-champion Jinder Mahal. Failed cash in on Jinder Mahal in 2017. I'm glad you had both those guys listed here in the rundown because I honestly could not remember off the top of my head who had won the money in the bank last the last two years. So, yes, they have blown it for a few years. (laughs) With the men's like the women's Carmella. Carmella was great. Becky had the next one. Right. Mm -hmm. And that she was great. So, you know, yeah, the men clean it up. Who's who if you're going to create if you're going to create somebody that comes out looking like a star, who is that money in the bank? Well, it depends on if you want to kind of reestablish somebody who was kind of creeping up the ladder, right? We talk about Baron Corbin getting you know, kind of botched in 2017 with the Jinder Mahal thing where he cashed it in like right before a major pay-per-view and it was real subtle and not used well. Um, so the Baron Corbin one's weird. You could reestablish Baron Corbin here. He's getting some momentum after his win over Angle at Mania. That would be a go-to guy. I think you have some mid-carters here who could use the rub and get propped up a little bit. Maybe a guy like Aleister Black, right? He's on SmackDown sure. now. Let him come out and look strong in this and get, and get catapulted right up the ladder. Or Andrade. right? I, I think that's a guy who, again, was at the top of the NXT food chain, and he could really dig in here with a, a lengthy run with the briefcase before cashing in. So a couple of guys there. You can't really go wrong here. Uh, I think you go wrong if you give it to a guy like Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns gets fired tonight on SmackDown and shows back up Money in the Bank to win the briefcase. That would be a mistake to me. Yeah, uh, you know, Ali, Mustafa Ali, that was the other one that came up because they wanted to do a similar storyline with him uh, like they were going to do with Kofi. So, I mean, that opportunity got taken away from him. Maybe there could be a chance to get back on track with that. 
try to build Ali as an organic contender looking to, to take his spot or take a shot. Maybe a guy like the Miz, right? Ali oh. could work, but also the Miz, who has Miz. been out of the world title picture for a while. Man, loving babyface Miz. So playful. So playful, that man is. Miz and Misses, man. It's your favorite show every week. I do. I like that show. Uh, Daniel Bryan uh, was pulled from this past weekend's house shows uh, while he's reportedly dealing with an undisclosed injury. Now, he's still announced. Uh, speaking of SmackDown tonight, he's still announced for tonight's SmackDown in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, but, you know, not good. Uh, to hear that about Daniel Bryan. Any any word on what this could be? I know, nope. like, of course, everybody in the internet's like, well, he's got another concussion, so he's done forever, right? But that's, no. yeah. No word. Uh, Wrestling Observer also reporting uh, WWE SmackDown tag team champion Jeff Hardy suffered some kind of leg injury and was limping significantly following Sunday's WWE live event in Madison, Wisconsin. Not good news there for Jeff. Hope some he's okay. in the back and, and Gorilla. Man, that guy can sell. That Jeff Hardy kid, he's got it. Wait and see, I guess, tonight on SmackDown. <laughs> Jeff and Daniel Bryan, the people to watch for. Uh, and speaking of injuries, Ronda Rousey confirmed in a YouTube video with her husband, Travis Brown, that she did break her pinky at WrestleMania. Uh, she said she was only, and on, on the note, noting her last WWE run, she said she was only supposed to be around until November of last year, but plans changed when she found out that the women could headline WrestleMania. She's not sure what her pro wrestling future looks like right now. Her focus is having on having a baby and starting her family. Now, for all the good and bad you want to make of what Ronda Rousey's in-ring work was like, to hear that she stuck around to, to make sure and ensure, as an insurance policy, that the women headlined WrestleMania this year, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I have to yeah. give props on that. Yeah, I mean, it was a limited run. We kind of all knew that going into it, and people said she's part of the WWE now, whatever. But I think Ronda Rousey took her obligations to the business and to the women of the business seriously, and I appreciate that about her. And Listen, guys, whatever you like or you don't like her, she's going off to have a family and, and wish her the best, and maybe we'll see her again one day. Yeah, possibly. Um, we also got an update from Dolph Ziggler. He sat down with Chris Van Villett. Uh, he said he's still on vacation from WWE, and he told a funny story about how the only reason he was actually in uh, the Royal Rumble earlier this year is because he was in town doing a stand-up show, and somebody <laughs> just called him. They're like, we need a 29th spot. What are you doing, <laughs> Dolph? <laughs> We need a surprise. Grab you got your gear? Of course you got your gear. Fit in your pocket. A surprise. What Dolph Ziggler's a surprise now? A guy who's on the roster? He's <laughs> not around often, right? <laughs> what is on fake what do you, what kind of vacation is this? He just takes as long as he wants to be away and do comedy? <laughs> you start to think, man, CM Punk, Dolph Ziggler, you know, who is the new Holland Nash here? You know? Dolph Ziggler's just been like clocking up that vacation time for years. Yeah. And he's finally like, you know, I'm gonna cash it in. Take about five months off. Yeah. You know, Dean Ambrose. I mean, there's a lot of interesting names out there right now. Yeah, man. Start their own promotion almost. What's Brock Lesnar's next move? Who knows? <laughs> Ronda <laughs> Rousey back on the market. Let's get this going. Triple H straight up said on live TV. He's like, I have not heard from Brock or Paul Heyman. I have no idea what is going on with our former Universal Champion. I I'm out of the loop. Oh. Uh, speaking of extended absences, PW Insider reporting the Road Dog ex expected to take uh, an extended leave of absence. He was not at the WWE TV tapings in Montreal this past week, and Ryan Ward headed the SmackDown creative team. So Road Dog, another guy out there. Billy Gunn, he's an AEW. Right. Well, I'm just saying, like with enough guys out there right now, AEW might not be enough. We might have to do like a MEW, the most elite wrestling. Or more oh, like an AEW black and red. 
Yeah. Well, no, I'm saying like a whole different faction, right? There's mm. going to be some other son of an NFL billionaire out there who wants to start a wrestling promotion. Well, uh, uh, there are a couple free agents right now, apparently, uh, in Enzo and Cass. Is Wrestling Observer reporting that following the huge kerfuffle they caused at the G1 Supercard, they are not booked for any upcoming Ring of Honor shows, and there are there are no plans, no current plans to use Enzo and Cass in Ring of Honor. I think we could chalk this one up to, uh, I think, a mistake. I hate to like directly call things a mistake, well, but you you play you were playing with fire bringing these guys in. You you were, and 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 granted, I mean, you did some some work on this story and kind of got some sources sure. out there, and I heard a few things about what the original plan was, and I, I don't think this quite came off how they intended. Like, I want to step into ROH and defend them for a half a second here. Not that okay. I think Enzo and Cass are the right guys. Go ahead, but. Go ahead, Nick. No, you go ahead. I said go okay. ahead. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think like the, the intent was to bring in Enzo and get some heat, which is kind of what they did, right? I, I think the mistake was, number one, it happened on the same night as that Bret Hart thing, which whether or not you can control that, once the run-in happened, doing a fake run-in on your show that's going counter to WWE does not look good for you. And number two, I don't think my understanding was not everybody was kind of in on the no. no. And um, no. so that also caused some ruffled some feathers there. I, Enzo and Big Cass, whether you like them or not, putting Enzo out there gets heat. Maybe not the kind of heat you want, but it works. It gets the reaction. And I'm not always saying that's a bad thing. It's, you know, it's just it's it, it's weird what it became. Like, I guess if Enzo would like thrown a, a beer at Mark Briscoe and like Briscoe would push him off and then there like security had taken him away. That would have been a little touch. Fine. You know, all of a sudden you got guys over the barricade. They're rolling around on the ground. They're throwing work punches. You know, taking away from the moment. It, it, I think it just became more than it should have been. And I wonder if that's not the reason that these parties are no longer working together. Because that specific angle did not go as planned. Can I, can I ask you a question, Nick? So I, I heard through the grapevine that one of the things they had originally thought about doing was bringing Enzo in to rap in Ring of Honor and generate oh. some heat. How would you have felt about that as opposed to what they did? Oh, um, I don't know. It, not good. I wouldn't have been <laughs> happy about it. No. Uh, Mega Ran tried that, and he's, from what I understand, a legitimate rapper, and uh, he did not get a warm reception. And he's Mega Ran. Well, but 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 you would not want to get a warm reception if you're bringing in Enzo to get heat, right? So I guess does it work at that point? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Are you just like? Do you think most people are just in general anti Enzo, uh, especially Enzo, but Big Cast too right now? Like, what's where does some of this heat come from? It's bad heat. I I think it's a com. Well, I think in this particular situation, first of all, yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of negative headlines out there about these guys for the past couple years. Um, but also I think this was, um, I think this was a misfire because the ring again, I, I laid this out last week and I, I stand by it, you know, ring of honors fans don't want the kind of wrestling Enzo and cast do right. Yeah. And WWE fans, you know, if there are any, I don't know how many are really wanting to, to follow the Enzo cast train over to ring of honor, which again, feels like a weird fit. Um, so I just think it was, I just think it was a lot of pieces that like, I, I think it was like, pieces from four different puzzles and they tried to, to put them all together you know what i mean yeah i get you they tried to almost do too much crossover work. well listen guys yeah. most elite wrestling the mostest elitist wrestling <laughs> you guys are in i'll book you uh wrestling observer also reporting mahabali shira has rejoined impact wrestling of course he was uh a big almost nearly a face of the company here up a couple of years ago as they were looking to move into india uh goodbye good look you know 
Yeah. Hope he does great. Absolutely. All right. We'll wrap it up here with a couple big AEW notes. Long news segment. Thank you so much, Michael, for the patience <laughs> here today. But this is cool. Cody Rhodes is actually going to face Dustin Rhodes at AEW's Double or Nothing. The match was announced via the latest AEW Road to Double or Nothing. Dustin has since released an online like video vignette where he lays to rest the Gold Dust character in a box. Now, uh, Brian Satin Pro Wrestling Sheet, I know that they had reported that uh, Dustin was his, his contract was up or he was waiting out the 90 days, but this was the plan. Dustin straight up just called him a liar when the, you know the news originally broke and was like, I hate Marks. You're all wrong. None of this is true. Turns out it was very, very true. How do you feel about Cody versus Dustin here? I love this, right? I, I hate the fact that he was so negative against it, and, and wrestlers do that so often, even when the reports end up being true, as in this case. But to the point here, I love the fact that we're going to see Cody and Dustin. I know he kind of, you know, laid to rest the Gold Dust character here, and we're going to see the natural Dustin Rhodes taking on Cody Rhodes. It's it's the kind of thing that WWE could have done for so long when they didn't have Stardust, when he was Cody Rhodes, and they teased it for a hot minute, right? The Cody Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes things, and maybe did it at one pay-per-view, and it kind of was a weird match. I remember it ended very shortly. But this is a big deal. The Rhodes brothers going at it. I think AEW uh, Double or Nothing is the right platform here. Both of these guys are great in-ring storytellers, and Dustin especially, but both these gentlemen, great out-of-the-ring storytellers. So it, I think this, this adds credence of the card being a, a big deal and um you know i think they could have a really really dustin Rhodes. i don't know what he is he's like 48 now um he could still go dude he has just got so oh, much sure. in the tank and and, and he, he's just so athletic that i think these two will put on a really good show yeah and i'm interested to see you know with these two these are storytellers what's the story coming out of this bout that's really what's got me on the hook here good friends better enemies I, i'm that's what's uh, intriguing me about this one yeah uh, and the rap, uh, last note here about AEW, the rap's Tony McGillio said uh, that he thought a the, the AEW Turner talks are in the advanced stages. I guess he's the one that originally broke the news about Turner and AEW being involved in the upfronts for, for Turner Networks here, for their advertisers in the coming weeks or whatever. But anyway, the talks between these two, he says, are in advanced stages. And then he noted that the AEW TV deal with Turner could be a time buy. Basically, AEW paying for the space, I guess, main event time slot on TNT uh, to sell their own advertising, maybe a split with them or something. Uh, uh, based on a source that I spoke to, very close to the situation, I was point blank just told, this report is bullshit. There's nothing to this report. So I just wanted to lay that to rest here. It does not sound like AEW is going to be buying main event or primetime television time slots from TNT. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, and and and, and I, you know, Tony Maglio is an entertainment reporter for the Rap, but also covers wrestling. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna diss his work too much. I, I totally trust your source as well. It's possible too that his report uh, was misconstrued or taken out of context a little bit, right? This may not be the big money deal that we all think it is. I don't know what you found out, Nick. Hmm. Um, but it being a time buy seems like it'd be a little bit crazy anyway. Yeah, that seems crazy. Well, you know, again, I only know a little bit about this one, but uh, you know, Meltzer went out there and was quick to shoot it out and say, you know, look, this is not for a one-hour deal. This is not for a time buy, and was quick to point out, you know, all the other fight franchises right now that are negotiating big money deals with uh, with networks like TNT. And so, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility here that there is not some big money deal. I'm not really sure. I, I'm not. I, it could go either way for me. 
the speculator in me says this is probably not a time be- time by like was reported by Tony Maglio. So obviously your report that is bullshit is probably <laughs> accurate. However, I would not expect it to be nearly the deal that companies like UFC and WWE and all these other big name established brands have been able to get. So I'd say we're probably somewhere in the middle if I'm just speculating here and thinking that AEW ends up with a good deal for them, but not the kind of big money deal that establishes them as a big brand quite yet. My guest at this time will receive the Vanguard Award during Miami's Outshine Film Festival on April 28, 2019. He's a former WWE Tag Team Champion. You know him as Darren Young, but we're going to talk to him today as Fred Rosser. Fred, thank you very much for taking the time today. No, thanks for having me. You know, I hate the word former. Uh, I put a lot of years and miles in WWE, so I like to be called a veteran because I started wrestling uh, 2002 right out of high school and college. And uh, I've been at it for some time, so I'm, I like to call myself a veteran these days. Uh, but it's an honor to be back home in Miami. I spent almost five years there, living there when I was on the road with WWE. Uh, it's cool to be back down there uh, receiving uh, such an important award, the Vanguard Award. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing feeling to be appreciated for the walls and stigmas I've you know, broken down in the very masculine world of professional wrestling. So um, this is my biggest honor ever received. So I can't wait to receive it. Yeah, you know, and it's uh, that's great. To, you know, I was doing a little research into it. I saw James Franco. He's also received this award. I mean, you're in good company here. Um, this is a film festival. I mean, are you focused right now solely on pro wrestling or are you also a little bit focused on the acting side? Where's your priorities at right now? Well, I'll be honest with you. When I got released from WWE in 2017, it broke me. 2018 opened my eyes, and 2019, uh, I've had laser-like focus. Just like I had when I was chasing the dream of being a WWE superstar, I've been out here in L.A. uh, taking acting classes, uh, trying to do whatever I got to do to um, be seen on the big screen. Um, You know... uh, my story is very unique, and I always say, don't die with a story and you tell it. And um, it's very important that I'm able to share my story with the world, and it's very important that uh, people uh, can get helped by hearing my story and just say, you know, um, you know, because of my story, I'm able to come out and be confident with my own self. You know, my, my, my story has a galvanic effect on the wrestling and sports world. So uh, for me, first openly WWE superstars, LGBTQ athletes that, you know, they have a duty to instill confidence in our youth and to lead by example. So um, word on the street is that Marvel is looking for its uh, first gay superhero, its next gay superhero. So um, honestly, not to toot my own horn, there's, Nobody that represents the community inside the ring and outside of the ring more than me. So um, I, I've been putting that feeder out there. Uh, you know, r- wrestling has always been a love of mine. Uh, my fight is much more bigger than in the ring. It's outside of the ring, fighting bigotry and hatred and trying to be the voice of the voiceless when it comes to our LGBT community or anyone that gets bullied for various reasons. You know, and you talk about your story. One of the things I read here in the press release about uh, your Vanguard Award 
is how you started the hashtag block the hate movement, which is, you know, become synonymous with you. Uh, if you could take a second here, could you talk to me about what the origins of that were and, you know, what you're trying to do with hashtag block the hate, block the hate. Sure. I mean, not only am I a WWE veteran, I, I'm a trailblazer. Uh, I'm an activist. I'm an advocate for the LGBTQ rights. I mean, all rights, to be honest with you. So, you know, my coming out story, I provided a model of possibility for others to be their authentic self, a model I wish I had when I was younger. So um, for the last three years, I've partnered with Headquarters Clothing out here in Sherman Oaks, California, uh, because I believe in seeing those under me succeed. And I truly believe in the streetwear clothing brand, Headquarters Clothing, uh, to bring, to to, to be a brand that can be globally respected uh, where people belonging to different nationalities and, you know, races and religious beliefs uh, will wear that brand with, you know, intense purposes. So, um, you know, you know, they, the three reasons why I love headquarters clothing is because, uh, you know, one, they're like fa family to me to the quality of the clothes and three, um, you know, the message behind the brand and the message behind the brand is parallel to what I preach uh, every day. Every, every time my feet touch the ground, I know someone is counting on me. So um, uh, headquarters clothing, repping the block the hate movement uh, means the world to me. In this world, we all receive hate for various reasons, but in order to be strong and successful, you must block the hate. So um, it, it, it's a universal message that I, I, I want it to be. I want it to be uh, a household name. I want it to be the next middle finger. You tell me I can't achieve my dreams because uh, I have a speech impediment or I'm overweight. Well, you know what? Block the hate. And um, you know, the, of course, the block the hate movement started with me. But it's more than just an LGBTQ movement. It's anyone that gets bullied for various reasons. So ever since my coming out store, my goal has been to inspire others to be comfortable in their own skin. So the point of the movement is to show that we aren't all as different from each other as we think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, we, we all get bullied for various reasons or another, but again, in order to be strong and fix it, in order to be strong and successful, you, you must block the hate. So I try to use my confidence to raise the voice of those who still hide in uncertainty and fear. So the block hate movement is definitely worth championing. Yeah. And now I wonder what I wonder about, too, is when you talk about this, you know, obviously when you came out openly, I believe it was on TMZ Live that you came out openly. You know, people on, you know, the Twitter sphere, Facebook, they all can openly spew their opinions. But what was the reaction like? around your contemporaries in WWE? Was everyone open about it, or were there some people that you thought were pushing back on the, on what they now knew about you? Living in a closet is no way to live because there's so much out in the world uh, to be a part of, honestly. And to be fully present means tr truly owning your identity and claiming your authentic self. So um, there are many reasons why I came out publicly, but one of the reasons I came out was because I wanted to be like any other normal couple. I wanted to 
be affectionate in public like any other normal couple. And I was just tired and I couldn't go another 30 years living the way I was living. Yeah. So uh, when I came out, uh, a plethora of WWE superstars such as Mark Henry, uh, some of my favorites, Randy Orton, uh, CM Punk, uh, Big Show, these guys embraced me with love and it made it, je- it made it so much easier for me to walk into a locker room and just be comfortable with myself. When I first started wrestling, I would cut interviews to deepen my voice. I would try to sound more masculine. Now I don't have to do that anymore. And uh, my goal is to, uh, whether it's on my social media or on the big screen, to show people that being gay comes in all sizes and shapes. And I have to tell you, I don't celebrate, I don't celebrate being gay. Uh, you know, I, I don't... Uh, Ooh, I'm gay. I'm gay. I don't celebrate being gay. I celebrate living my life free from hate, free from judgment, because there are still people all over the world being shamed and bullied and disowned and discriminated and killed just for being who they are and loving who they want to love. So, uh, like I said, block hate, spread the word and strengthen numbers. Uh, None of us are as strong as all of us. So, you know, I'm the leader of the block hate movement, but the more eyes we can get on it, uh, the better. Yeah. You know, and as you're talking about all these talents that came out and supported you, you know, uh, at the same time, there was an executive uh, at the moment that had a comment about you. And I'm going to read it back. This is from a 2015 interview with Stephanie McMahon, where she said, Darren Young was the first WWE superstar to really come out as being homosexual. But his character in the show is not, at least, we haven't done anything with it either way. Not yet. Now, when you're hearing this from Stephanie, you know, what, what's going through your head uh, as a performer? And well, me, and I'm an employee, just happy. I'm and an happy. employee. You know. What's that? I said, as a performer, I guess, and an employee hearing this said by, by Stephanie. Well, now that I'm out, I'm comfortable with being myself. Yeah. I'm comfortable with uh, showing people that being gay comes in all sizes and shapes. Now that I'm out, uh, I can have fun with it. And Vincent Man always says, never be afraid to make a fool of yourself. And we're in the entertainment business, guys. So if we want to push the envelope a little bit, uh, you know, as long as it's good in good taste and it's telling the story, I'm all about it. Um, you know, when I was released in 2017, I wasn't that upset. I was more hurt and released by, uh, uh, I, I was more hurt, not about the release, but more about months later at WrestleMania, uh, the LGBTQ colors were embraced by uh, a good friend of mine, uh, an ally, a straight ally, Finn Balor, who's uh, amazing wrestler, amazing talent, uh, and, and, and a good human being. But I was kind of upset because, uh, why not let me embrace the colors uh, yeah. while I was still with the company? Why not let me show my pride and all that other good stuff? So I was a little upset. I cried like a baby, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I, um, I was just, I was just devastated, you know, that I wasn't even invited to the festivities uh, um, um, at that WrestleMania. So, you know, I, I like to call myself a trailblazer and uh, you know, the women's evolution is really taking off and, um, you know, equal opportunity for uh, WWE superstars are happening. And it wasn't like that four or five, six years ago. So, um, like I said, you know, I just want to make it better for everyone in wrestling, uh, better than it was before. 
Do you think that there's still a, a bit of a, a stigma around it? You know, it, it really resonates with me when I hear you say, you know, I was this trailblazer, and here you've got Stephanie on the record saying, well, Darren Young may not actually be gay, while at the same time allowing a straight guy like Finn Balor to go out there and carry around the rainbow flag. I mean, do you, do you feel like that this isn't, I mean, this is still a long way from being over? I mean, it's very surprising to me when you put it in those terms about how it's being handled. You know, the fight is still, um, uh, the fight is still long. The fight is still hard, but, um, uh, mama didn't raise a fool. Uh, I was raised to fight. I wasn't raised to lay down. But uh, one thing I can say about Vincent Mann is that he gave me an opportunity with WWE to live out my dreams. He gave me an opportunity to uh, be involved in an important storyline that was actually getting over by the crowd. It's just unfortunate that people that work under him didn't have my back. I don't know who, I don't want to point the finger at anyone. Like I said, um, I've had some great times in WWE inside and outside of the ring. I'm the post, I was the poster boy for the company when it came to the community service stuff because I genuinely love giving back. I say all the time, don't die with the story and you tell it. So uh, there's no hard feelings with WWE and high. You know, it's almost like it's probably like a long vacation. Yeah. But hopefully someday I can go back either as a coach, as a community ambassador, and, uh, or even a talent. Uh, I'm 35 years old. I still have a lot left in the tank. Uh, I make my 20s gel to my 30s. So um, not only WWE, I've been making uh, it known that I still have a lot left in the tank. But New Japan Pro Wrestling, AEW, ROH, I still want to be able to contribute. And and I want people to see me on TV or on the big screen or from my social media and see me as a talent and say, well, if he can be open and honest with himself, then so can I. So, um, like I said, um, I'm not hard to find, you know, my social media, Twitter and Instagram at real Fred Rosser, you know, my social media is an open diary to the world. So anything I ever post always comes with the intent to inspire, motivate and impact our youth and, our LGBT community or anyone that gets bullied for various reasons. So uh, I, I, I'm the superhero of the LGBT community. I'm the superhero, and I'm proud to hold that title. Now, I, I know this is a great chance to pivot here and talk a little bit about, you know, your current, uh, your current spot in the world of pro wrestling. I know you've talked recently about wanting to sign with AEW. Have you had any talks since then with Cody or the Bucks and anybody about possibly coming on board with them? Well, I don't think I've met the Bucks personally. Uh, I'm a Northeast guy, so I don't think I've ever met them personally. Um, I've talked to Brandy. I've sent her ideas yeah. uh, about uh, about teaming with Sonny Kiss. Yeah. Uh, I think it, I don't. I think if no one's ever heard of Sonny Kiss, he's an incredible talent. Where uh, the story would be like, I'm the big brother. He's the little sister. You know, so no one messes with my little sister, Sonny Kiss. And I think we can rock and roll in AEW as a team, as me, making sure no one messes with him, me having his back and him wowing the crowd with his athleticism and me wowing the crowd with my ground and pound attack. So uh, I presented the idea to Brandy. I sent it to her and creative. I just haven't heard anything back. So uh, like I said, I mean, I'd love to get an answer as to we have nothing for you so I can just keep it moving. Sure. But 
Um, I haven't gotten anything. So um, I hope I don't think I'm a, a bad talent or someone hard to work with. I mean, my reputation in WWE uh, speaks for itself. Some of the top, some of the top talent uh, uh, really, really enjoy me as a talent. Uh, Sheamus, Randy Orton, um, Kurt Angle. These guys have, you know, ha- and have my back and always gave me the time of day. So I, I think I'm pretty good to work with, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was going to ask you about what's your relationship like with Cody? I mean, I was looking at the timelines of you two, and it seemed like you guys were there for, like, nearly the the amount, same amount of time and at the exact same amount of time in WWE. Yeah, um, yeah, Cody and I, I think we've uh, been in some matches together. And, um, yeah, Cody ha- um, has always been to – he's always been a cool guy to be around backstage. Uh, uh, he might uh, – in a funny, cool way, he might stir the pot between people, but it's all in good fun. Um but yeah, you know, his dad was very influential in uh, getting me up to NXT and uh, starting at the Performance Center in Tampa, Florida at the time with uh, Percy Watson at the South Beach Party Boys. So anytime I was around Cody's dad, um, like I never wanted to let him down. I never wanted to let Dusty down. Even if I was nervous to do a promo, I made sure that I nailed it and I made sure that uh, even if it did suck, you know, um, you know, I still tried. So uh, the relationship with the, you know, the roads are great, you know, yeah. especially Goldie. Goldie, Goldust is someone that I really, um, I think I, I think I was more closer to Goldie than Cody. Cody and I were cool, but I'm, I was a lot more closer to Goldie because I remember his career earlier in his uh, uh, wrestling career, WCW and stuff like that. So uh, <clears throat> he was always known to me as his uh, uh, selling. He could uh, sell. He could uh, he could tell a story in the ring. He was a great storyteller. So I immediately clung on to him. You know, not only am I a fan, but I'm working with him. So um, <clears throat> with Goldust, there would be nights where uh, we would be on tour ten nights in a row, and I'd be like, Hey, Goldust! No, Goldust would come up to me and be like, Hey, Darren. Uh, you mind taking the heat? You don't have to take the heat if you don't want to, but I'm a little beat up. I said, absolutely, Goldie. I'll definitely take the heat for you because I, you know, I want to outsell him. I want to outperform him because uh, he, he's one of the best that does it. So I want to, I want to mirror him and, uh, and try to do it better. And at the end of the day, everyone uh, finishes at the finish line strong and everyone looks good. So yeah, Goldie, uh, Dusty and Cody, I've always had a love for those guys. You know, it, it, Cody obviously left uh, WWE because he had some uh, unhappiness with what it was like to be backstage. It sounds like you were, uh, there were a couple of people you were butting heads with there at the end. You know, wh- how does talent, especially when you guys were there, how do they deal with being unhappy and, and, and their grievances when they're, when they're backstage? Uh, you know, just sitting catering, sitting catering all day uh, <laughs> at TV, live events. A lot of events, you know, what we do on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays uh, is where we can just, uh, the matches are a lot longer. We can kind of work more a little bit. There's not a lot of promo work, more matches with a lot of events. When you get to TV, uh, it's survival to finish, you know. It's, uh, uh, it's a doggy-dog world, you know. Um, there's only a certain amount of spots that could be filled. And the one thing I learned from Titus O'Neil is how to be a businessman. So anytime we didn't have anything on TV, 
we would do backstage skits, get those reps together on uh, camera, uh, do a backstage uh, skit, do something for the WWE app that was just being uh, put on the map. So uh, we always say uh, the app didn't land on PTP. Uh, you know, PTP didn't land on the WWE app. The app landed on PTP. So uh, we we were hustling and bustling backstage, Titus and I, when we weren't having any matches. So you just got to keep yourself busy, you know. I mean, yeah, you know, you can get a little down on yourself. You could get depressed and all that stuff, but that's that's the nature of the business. Yeah. One thing I learned from Doc. One thing I learned from my mentor, Dr. Tom Pritchard, is that, you know. Sometimes you're going to have to like to eat shit and like the taste of it. And that's just how it is. And it's just unfortunate. But um, uh, like I said, I've been able to achieve my dreams uh, grinding on the independence from 2002 to 2009, getting signed in 2009 out of 75 guys and girls from all over the world. I paid to do a tryout. I, I paid hard-earned money, $2,000, to do a tryout. Now, nowadays with WWE, you get invited to a trial. They take care of you and all that stuff. So uh, when I got signed, it wasn't like that. So I know what it's like to grind, and I know what it's like to, you know, uh, cut your teeth and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I just got to keep it moving. My grandfather always says, one monkey don't stop, no show. So whether it's WWE, AEW, uh, New Japan, ROH, or something in the acting world, uh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, and and that's that. I, I want to ask you, you know, uh, as we, we're getting to a, a close here, what do you make of all of the WWE talent right now that seems to be either requesting their releases or airing their grievances on social media at the moment? I think it's a great time for wrestling because um, – you know, WWE, uh, NXT is, is there could be NXTs all over, you know, they're setting up all over. So WWE wants to be global. Uh, but there are organizations such as AEW, uh, New Japan and ROH that have a great following. And um, I always say there's room for everyone at the finish line. So uh, this is a great time for wrestling. I'm not bitter over my release with, with WWE. I have no hard feelings with WWE. Um, uh, for me, what you see is what you get, and I tell the truth. And, uh, you know, like I said, there's so much wrestling out there that this is a great time for wrestling. And uh, who knows, years later, we could see uh, AEW versus uh, WWE, you know? I mean, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? The sky's the limit, but this is a great time to be in wrestling. Fred, I want to thank you so much for the time. Again, April 28th, it's going down. Miami's Outshine Film Festival. Darren is going to be, or not Darren, Fred, apologize. Fred is going to be receiving, <laughs> Fred is going to be receiving the Vanguard Award, and you're also going to get a key to the city. That's insane. What do you, what do you get to do with a key to the city? You know, you know, I tell people, you call me Darren, like, you know, <laughs> you Google Darren Young, it's Fred Rosser. You Google Fred Rosser's Darren Young. It's all the same. Yeah. I've signed my soul to WWE, so, like, I'll be Darren Young forever. But <laughs> it's an honor to be getting the key to the city. It's like, you know, it's major. It's major. This isn't something that I'm just, you know, just looking past. But I'm definitely going to embrace it down in Miami. I'm going to have my mom with me down there, down there in Miami. She's my personal photographer. She's 
she's the toughest, uh, toughest gay mom I know. So uh, I'm going to have her down there, having her enjoy Miami, having her take photography uh, pictures of me, putting her to work. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, but I'm very honored to be receiving the key to the city. But definitely, uh, you know, find out everything that I'm doing for my social media. My social media is like a business card. So my Twitter, Instagram, at Real Fred Rosser, my government name, at Real Fred Rosser. <laughs> and then you can also follow me at Pro and Bro Wrestling uh, on my Instagram. And you can uh, hear and see me talk about wrestling and all that stuff in between. All right. So um, just talk about, uh, Gail, just talk about what it was like to kind of when that announcement was made that you were going to return to the ring and just right. on with that. I mean, I will say it was um, a decision that wasn't taken lightly, that's for sure, because I think a lot of people, fans-wise, and I've had this comment a lot on social media, is, uh, oh, she's coming out of retirement for the millionth time. And um, I've actually never come out of retirement yet. This is my first time coming out of retirement. And uh, it would have to be for a very good reason. And I will say, you know, uh, I think Tessa Blanchard in herself is um, making a big splash uh, in the women's wrestling scene right now. She is probably one of the best, if not the best, I would think, on in terms of uh, outside of WWE and the independent circle and other uh, promotions so that was another factor you know her attitude has always been her biggest enemy I feel like and you know for me looking back on my career I see so many similarities between her and I uh, the good and the bad I would say the good being we're both so passionate about wrestling and we both want to be the best or you know for me wanted to be the best and still, in terms of this match, I still want to prove to the fans that I can still go, you know, with a woman that's almost half my age. Um, mm-hmm. So that, those are the main reasons for me uh, to come out of retirement. And yes, people, my first time. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about what's, how you've been mentally and physically preparing for this match. You mentioned, you know, someone who's younger than you, but you want to prove right. everyone that age is just a number. I, I mean, I've always thought you've, you've already stayed in great shape and you've always maintained a high level of performance that we've all expected from you so right. just i'm sure you put a lot of pressure on yourself and giving the best oh, performance yeah. knowing that this might be the the last match that you have right yeah and you know it's uh you pretty much hit the nail right on the head there uh for me throughout my career especially in the second half of my career uh, i was always very um nerdy i guess or anal when it came to how i prepared for my matches like I I will say, I'm not going to lie, it's pretty much consumed my thoughts for the past couple weeks and getting into physical shape because, you know, I can stay in shape and you can look fit from the outside, but stepping into that ring and having a match with one of the best athletes in the business right now, that's that's another thing, you know. um, I will say I got into the ring a couple weeks ago and wow, I, I literally felt everything. <laughs> you know, it's like back when you're young and around Tessa's age, we all feel invincible. And I plan to put it all out there, all of it out there that night. Um, but I will say the preparation has been quite different from, you know, say five, ten years ago, for sure. Um, Is, uh, but I, Go ahead. 
No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish your thought. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just saying that. I, I mean, I, I haven't, if anything, my nerdiness of pre- preparation has gone up tenfold. <laughs> and mm. so it, I, I've always had a lot of pressure on myself, but I, I'm not going to lie. I feel a lot of pressure to, um, to give the fans everything that they expect plus more. And uh, this match has taken place in Toronto, you know, Canada, very near and dear to your heart. Uh, yeah. What does it mean to kind of have this match there? You know, I didn't even know. I, I really didn't know when this match was going to happen. I had agreed to do it with Impact Management, and um, they're the ones that, you know, decided that it was going to be a rebellion in Toronto and, you know, give me that little bit of home field advantage, um, which is exciting because I'll have my family there, and they weren't there for my last match uh, last year. And so it'll be special in that regard. Um, and, of course, to have that confidence with the fans behind you in your hometown, it's it's always special. Is there anyone that you've been working with within the Impact Wrestling roster to kind of help you get ready um, with your workouts? Or is there any tape that you've been studying specifically? Oh, yeah. I mean, not specific. I've been kind of watching all kinds of wrestling. I'm going back old school wrestling and, you know, watching – back before my time of Sean and Brett and like even uh, the psychology of Hunter and Sean as well. And I, I, you know, I watch different people for different reasons. I'll watch certain people for psychology and I watch certain people for um, match, you know, creativeness and um, in terms of preparation, I've just really been working on my cardio a lot because I think people don't realize how much, you know, even if you run on a treadmill and then you try to do a match, it's not the same, you know. So um, I went into Jay Lethal School uh, a couple times in the ring, and I'm going to hit the ring a couple times this week coming up. And I'm in San Antonio right now and uh, have a show tonight. I'm not scheduled to wrestle, but you never know what you might see. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Got to prepare. Um, but that's about it. And more of it's more mental than anything, I think. And uh, what does what does the husband think of you returning to the ring? <laughs> he's just like, just don't get hurt, just don't get hurt, you know. <laughs> and he he's always been so supportive and one of my biggest fans. And um, he just always has belief in me. He's like, you're gonna kill it. And I'm like, and I'm being you know the difficult wife saying, but no, you don't understand. It's not the same because he says the same thing. You're fit, you're fine. I'm like, no, it's not the same when you're wrestling a match and. Like I said, with one of the best athletes going right now, um, I gotta step up to that level again. Mm-hmm. So, and then, you know, mentioned the Tessa Blanchard being a part of this great knockouts division. Um, it seems like you've really essentially been building again from the ground up. Uh, you've had yeah. a lot of recent, you've had a recent, a lot of recent signings. Uh, Madison yeah. Rain has come back. Yeah. Um, working from the back, backstage, uh, just talk about the changes that we've seen over the past couple of months. Yeah, I mean, even the past couple of almost like, because I started agenting and producing before I retired. So I was kind of doing double duty to get my feet wet. And um, I felt like at that point, we're just kind of going through a transition of bringing in this new generation and um, not maybe um, finding that groove just yet at the beginning, because I was learning as a producer, they were just starting to gel. And I feel like they've just come so far and 
I'm watching this locker room come together and they really are gelling really well and producing uh, everything they need to. They've really stepped it up and I'm so proud of them. It's, it's been really, really a great experience for me behind the scenes as well. It's, it's just been a very natural transition. And is there any particular, maybe someone who's really evolved over the past couple of months with your help or is there a story or something that we can look at that you're most proud of that, that happened on television that you, you can kind of put your stamp of approval on here. That Ooh, that well, I, I mean, honestly, I feel like all across the board, all the girls have improved in some way, um, whether fans may notice or may not. It, everyone's been kind of different uh, since Taya's come back. She's been on a roll. I mean, she looks great. She's moving amazing. She, she's just a great champion for us right now. Um, and it's just been an upward climb for her. And I think, uh, obviously, I think people are already impressed with Tessa. And just the girls as a whole, though, I feel like are starting to really gel with each other. And I don't know if that's necessarily coming across on screen, but I notice it. And, um, and like, Jordan just breaking out recently in a singles uh, run, uh, she has been really impressing me in terms of the difference of what I've been seeing from when she was tagging to going to singles run. I, I'm liking what I'm seeing a lot. And I think she's just going to get better and better. Mm-hmm. She's young too. A lot of them are just really young right now. So I'm yeah. I'm happy to see where they are at this point in their careers. I, mean, I, was just, I, mean, some, I mean, Tessa's 24 years old, I believe. I, I took my first bump at 23. Right? Wow. I didn't even wow. make it on television until 25. Yeah, so, but you sure got... You got started pretty quick, much like her, her, like moving her way up. Yeah, I got thrown, I got thrown in pretty quickly. Being green, <laughs> trial by fire. That's how you. Do yeah, it. that's how you learn. That's you got to take your opportunity when it comes, whether it's early exactly. on or right later on. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I always tell people, I'm like, yes, I was very green when I started, and uh, yes, I won the women's championship in my debut match, but uh, and I would have done it differently, say if I knew. But now looking back, the way that I think about it is that, okay, that was a great historical moment, and I'm grateful for that. And I wouldn't have learned as quickly if I wasn't thrown to the wolves. Right, right. Um, So, Tessa, recently over WrestleMania week, uh, you guys had that big United We Stand show where she met Joey Ryan. Yes. Intergender wrestling has been a hot topic right now. You've interacted with men in your matches before. Um, I yes. just wanted to get your thoughts on, on everything. That's yeah, I mean, I take, you know, I think wrestling has changed throughout the years, especially in the last couple of years. And so a lot of things with this women's revolution, um, uh, intergender wrestling has been at the forefront, especially lately, I've heard a lot. And I, I'm okay with it as long as the story is told properly, the build is proper, and we're not doing things that are not realistic. And that's for me. I, I, I like to lean on making wrestling the most believable, um, realistic form of entertainment as possible, uh, with the most part. There are some characters who, you know, are purely entertainment. Um, but that's my vo- that's my point on intergender wrestling. I I don't like to see things where, you know, a man's gonna punch a woman and then 
I mean, for me, I just think about the kids that are watching, to be honest. And uh, I take that into consideration. I just, I, I really wouldn't want to see that too much mm-hmm. of it, or at least something that's not realistic and that they may not get a grasp on what is real and what's not. Okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. One of the things I really appreciate about you is you're just, you know, you're very vocal on social media with your opinions and you stand by yeah. them no matter what kind of people that have reached out to you um, right. say, you know, stay in your lane, stay in your lane. And <laughs> yeah, like yeah. A topic and like every other wrestler is like, you know, I could say what I want. It's my platform, you know, just because yeah. I'm a public figure doesn't mean I have, I don't have an opinion. Yeah. Um, was there ever a point for you where you kind of said, this is it. And I didn't even want to deal with Twitter and social media, or do you, do you get a sense oh. of now, you know, this um, is the tool and I, and I want to use it for good and that like seeing it as a double-edged sword. Yeah. I mean, there are days when I'm like, oh, I'm so over, social media um but obviously it's a very addictive thing and it's for us wrestlers it's a way to promote ourselves i've never had the thought i want to shut it down at all but there are days when i'm like okay i'm just going to stay away from it because i do find twitter to be a little bit more negative than instagram instagram's not so bad and i i think that's because of the pictures and people see a face whereas on twitter people forget that we're human beings and and also their anonymity as well. And so it makes it an easier place to be negative. And so if I find there are days where people are very negative for the most part, then I'll I'll just turn it off, you know. But of course, as anyone who follows me follows me, they know I'm gonna fight back. <laughs> Sometimes yes. it depends who it is, you know, and depends on my mood, depends what it is. But I, I just said it today. I said majority of the fans who do troll are when I talk politics. So the Trump followers, and if I get specific about um, the the you know the office in WWE and uh, how you know the truth of how they treat people and uh, or the talent I should say because uh, I I don't have an idea of how they treat the office uh, the other office members but you know as I'm gonna lie I'm just always gonna tell the truth because I just always tell people. You know, this business is essentially a monopoly. And so whether you work for WWE or you don't work for WWE, uh, you still are almost afraid to speak up because you never want to close that uh, bridge, you know, or that relationship to be hired or whatever it is. Some people are, I want to get Hall of Fame. I want to be rehired. You know, I just don't want to burn that bridge. And for me, I worked there twice and I know it was the worst experiences of my life, not just my career. It was just very toxic to me so so for me i know i don't i don't have a desire to work there so i can speak the truth and i'm one of the few that can or feel comfortable enough to right yeah but um as far you know a lot of talk about the wrestlemania main event seeing the women's headline um yeah i'm sure that still meant a lot to you overall for women's wrestling and seeing that yes absolutely i mean I'm I'm so happy for those girls, and I told people at WrestleCon all weekend when I met fans, I said that's that was the match I was the most excited uh, to see, and I just knew I was like, okay, they're gonna kill it because everyone's pretty much performed uh, to the best of their ability up to that point, and you know they worked really hard, especially for someone like Becky Lynch who won over the fans herself and like worked for that spot, you know uh, if. She didn't get over with the fans like she did. Would she have been in that position? I, I'm not so sure, but she did that, and she worked hard, and um really happy for those girls. I don't know about the seven-hour show, though. I felt like, <laughs> I felt like, just 
I, and I shouldn't think too negatively. I don't want to think that way, but just knowing Vince and the way I feel like he thinks, I felt like he almost set them up for failure in a way. Like, why would you have a seven-hour show? The fans are going to be so tired, you know, halfway through yeah. the show. Yeah, that not, was definitely you know, an extra barrier for them to have to break through yeah, getting the, and, the crowd invested. Yeah, and so, I mean, they had the proper build, from what I understand. Um, but having a seven-hour show is just, it's it, yeah, it's a challenge for the people on the back half of the card. Mm-hmm. So. And lastly, and I'll let you go, um, I know you're mm-hmm. busy, you have a show tonight, but, mm-hmm. you know, you have this big pay-per-view coming up. It seems like Impact has been, consistency seems like it was missing for a while with Impact, but in the last year, it seems like you guys have taken, you know, little steps forward here and there, working with other companies, yeah. having more pay-per-views, kind of trickling into live events with partnerships. Yeah. Um, just talk about what you think will be, you know, Impact Wrestling this year and kind of the big goals from the office standpoint that you kind of see for the company. I will say you're right. Things have really turned around in this past year and uh, coming from everyone in terms of internally, our 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 roster, our crew, the office, everyone's just coming together as a family and it's 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 starting to show that we're gelling on television and um the fans the response you know there was a run there for a couple of years where everybody just wanted to hate us <laughs> and did hate us you know for a really long time but now i feel like people are are really turned around are very invested in the product really like what they're seeing and so i think it's just going to be that continued climb i mean we've lost a lot of talent valuable talent behind the scenes and in front of the camera but i feel like everyone's just kind of stepping up when that happens and um I only see a positive 2019 if we're still going to go, you know, just rolling in the momentum that we've got right now. So it's great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dale. I really appreciate it. Really looking forward to your match. I got so excited when I found out that you were coming out of retirement for one more match because (laughs) this kind of gives you that stamp, you know, with Impact Wrestling that we, this match with Tess, I think it's like the the ultimate kind of stamp of your career. Yeah. I'm really happy about it. Um, I'm really excited and I hope that uh, the fans are pleased with what they see that night. All right, I'm sure they will. All right, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. Thank you very much, Michael, for joining me at the top of the show. Thank you to Darren Young, and thank you to Scott Fishman and Gail Kim as well. A jam-packed show to start the week. we got uh, three more Winklies still to head uh, tomorrow and Thursday, of course, the Winkley right back here, Wrestling Inc. Audio, iTunes, feed go subscribe leave us nice notes and five star ratings on our itunes page if you would like uh but then of course every friday uh we do a video version of the winkley it is available exclusively via the ringside wrestling app if you want to get it as soon as it's released gotta go download the ringside wrestling app it's free to download it's myself it's wrestling inc owner proprietor raj giri and uh we're gonna have more we're gonna talk the top five stories of the week and we're also gonna have another exclusive interview if you want to support the site, head over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wrestling Inc. Get the new Jack Journalist t-shirt. This thing's awesome. It's going to look great on you. Uh, I mentioned at the top of the show we're doing a promo code contest on our Twitter feed uh, for Impact Wrestling's Rebellion pay-per-view this weekend. We also have two more promo code contests running with our good friends at Fight. If you would like to watch GCW's Crime Wave on Thursday night or NWA's Crockett Cup on Saturday night, head over to our Twitter account right now. You can find ways to enter and possibly win a free promo code to watch either of those shows on fight. 
Tomorrow, we're going to be back with another Winkly. Like I said, the interviews for tomorrow's show, we have two world champions on the show tomorrow. We're going to be welcoming on Ring of Honor world champion Matt Taven, as well as NWA world champion Nick Aldis, who uh, sat down with our good friend Scott Fishman. Whole lot going on in the world of the Winkly. Michael, where do you want to send people to uh, find you, follow you, all those other great things? Obviously, always here on the Winkly every Tuesday with you, Nick. Uh, if you like my general musings about life or pro wrestling or everything yeah. in between, you can follow me on Twitter. That is at the Real Wiseman. Always the best place to catch my latest news and articles and notes for Wrestling Inc. as they go up. And if you enjoy pictures of dogs, cats that are uh, very, very cute, they are my own. I will post them on my Instagram. That is at Wiseman.ma. And I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. And remember, if you winked. You didn't miss it.